what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Squadcast. And Scott, we have a special guest today. We have a very special guest today. Josh Barone. Woohoo! <laughs> he is our resident Godzilla expert, I would have to say. Expert for sure. Expert yeah, for sure. Agree with yeah. Josh, tell us, like, okay, I know you're a huge Godzilla fan. I've seen all the statues you have up on your shelf. So, like, what what is your love for Godzilla? Where did it come from? So, the story goes, back in the olden day when Blockbuster was big, <laughs> okay. uh, I went into, Bla- well, okay, before I went into Blockbuster, I had these two kids' books. It was Cat Kong and Dogzilla. And I remember staring at them one time. I was like, okay, I know Cat Kong is King Kong, but what the heck is Dogzilla? And then I, like, rearranged the words of the Godzilla, maybe? I think I've heard of that. And then we went to Blockbuster later that night. I walked in and I was like, I wonder if there's a movie. And I looked around and they had like a small section of like, I think four or three movies that were Godzilla. The first one I ever picked was Godzilla versus Gigan. And I threw it on and I was like, well, this is in English. And then I asked my grandfather about it and he was like, oh, those are Japanese films. You got to change the language setting. And so he showed me how to do it and I did it. And then I watched there in awe and I fell in love with these monsters, just dudes in rubber suits wrecking everything <laughs> and slapping each other around. Oh. I, don't, I don't know what it was. I, I I think it's just I think uh over time and marinating on it like growing up with it I think it's just like he's just pure power it's just like true power I just think it's so cool yeah I mean it's it's so funny I just remember as a kid seeing some of the you know a lot actually a lot of the Japanese shows at the time and there's one that I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank on it right now and I don't know if you watch any other like Japanese cinema or Japanese television shows from the you know from that era not that era yeah no. well there was a there was one there uh and I and I know there's gonna be a listener out there that'll remember this but there was a, a little Japanese Japanese kid and I'm like you know I'm like part Japanese so like I immediately tried you know I identified with this kid and it and it was like about the same age that I was he was in a elementary school and he would go to his like little locker and he'd pull out this goofy looking helmet that had these like two giant antennas coming off of it and as soon mm-hmm. as he would put the thing on he would turn into a rocket ship <laughs> We've actually looked this up before. You've I, told this story before. I was going to say, I think I've heard this. I know. I've told this before, and I, I refound the name, and then I, I've, like, forgotten it again. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, like, and if he wanted to have his, like, buddy be inside the rocket ship when he would turn onto it, he would, like, climb on his back. And then he'd put the helmet on, and then he'd be, like, inside the rocket. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. They had gems. They had a lot of gems back in the day. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great, though. I mean, but it was, uh, like, there was, like, something special about that Japanese cinema at the time especially like the whole monster yeah you know yeah. genre yeah the thing with Godzilla is though they uh you can see it too that the budget diminishes a lot with each film and you can tell very well <laughs> you're like yeah they didn't have much to work with here and uh 
it's just like anything, you know, if uh, like I'm sure it'll happen to superhero movies eventually, you know, you get a spike and then it just goes down. down. It, it already has. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to some some degrees. Plus, they had a they have um, at the time they had a, uh, what do you call it? A econ- economy also. Right. For so. sure. Yeah. No, that's great, though. But yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's that's a great thing to just be a fan of. Um, and, and I'm sure you're going to be quite disappointed about some of the news that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it will be. <laughs> I think you already know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, rub the lemon juice on that wound, shall we? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, well, before we get into this wonderful conversation, let's remind everyone that we are members of the Squadcast Media Network. That does include DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, DC TV Squadcast with Ray and currently me talking about Harley Quinn and Stargirl, uh, Fans Without Borders with Brent and Ray, and Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock. And, of course, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that does get you access to uh, exclusive shows like Squadcast Movies, Comic Book Film Edition, and Fans Without Borders Plus, which Ray and I have a movie that we are we're, we will be doing another Fans Without Borders Plus within the next week. So that is forthcoming. All right. Well, hey, uh, I mean, let's get on to some of this news right now, Scott. There's, you know, there's uh, some significant movement of release dates of some of the DC films happening right now and some other oh. films, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much Warner Brothers' entire slate. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, movies got delayed. We've got Tenet has only been delayed by like two weeks. That's going to be July 31st. But Wonder Woman 1984 has been pushed from August 14th to October 2nd. Yeah. Godzilla vs. Kong is going from November 20th to May 21st of next year. So now we're a full year away. It's a big move. A big move. And then there's a whole lot of other movies that are Warner Brothers movies that I'll be frankly honest weren't really on my radar to begin with so the fact that they got moved ah not a big deal I'm good man so Wonder Woman's moved quite a bit you remember originally it was December 13th in 2019 and then it actually it was got November it was December and then it got moved up to November 1st so we're like oh we're actually moving this movie forward so it was like kind of exciting and then it got moved to June 5th of, of 2020 <laughs> then of course it got pushed back to 814 of 2020 and now we're all the way back to 10-2 of 2020 we're almost a full year from when it was originally going to come out yeah oh and and so i guess my question to you scott is do you think this is going to be the last move i really don't know i would hope it would be the last move but i i can't i can't put any money down at this point yeah tough times i don't know what do you think josh you think this is gonna be the last time we see wonder woman move um i hope so uh it, it's still at the end of 2020 december right you said well it's october yeah. now it's october 2nd oh, october yeah so i don't know i feel like it might get pushed again i feel like this whole year is going to be a complete train wreck yeah uh, I, have, I have a lot more hope for next year so I, I wouldn't be surprised it gets moved again but uh it makes me wonder if who on what side is is not letting the theaters reopen if it's the theaters themselves or the government or Warner Brothers too scared and I think it's a combination of all those honestly I mean I think yeah. you know uh Warner Brothers, uh, obviously, they want to try to make as much money as they can in a theatrical release. So, like, you know, they're going to move the windows just simply based on that calculation. Uh, at the yeah. same time, the exhibitors, man, I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, they're not going to get the crowds they they should be able to get for some of these films. And um, But, I mean, I think they want to open up, you know, as best they can. Like, they would like to open up right now if they could. But then you also have the same thing. You know, if, if they're going to go ahead and open up, I mean, do they have to cut down the number of people per screen? You know, that can, you know, I think, Scott, you yeah. even said before all 
all this started, uh, your theater was actually doing some social distancing just in the seating itself. So like they're going to have to be looking at that kind of thing as well. And I've been reading articles about how they might, you know, patrons might be required to wear their masks if they're not eating or drinking. They're talking about maybe having to build some partitions or do something to, you know, block out some seats to make social distancing beside, I mean, uh, besides the fact like my theater was going to do 50% capacity, but you know, that's already going to eat into your profit margin when you can't fill up a theater yeah. for some of these big movies. I mean, they, they, they've got to figure out how they're going to construct, you know, these protective measures and then what are their rules going to be? I, th- I think, so I think that's where you see, because yeah, these theaters want to open because they're making no money. Yeah. They are, yeah. they're, I think AMC said they lost $2.2 billion in the first quarter. And even if they get started again, I mean, they're still going to be there's losing. no movies. Yeah, they're still going to be losing a lot of money. I mean, it's yeah. it's tough. I mean, I think like even uh, they've decided to bring back Inception, hmm. you know, for a re-release, I think. Uh, yeah, a 10-year anniversary. A 10-year anniversary re-release. And so they're going to be doing that. And, uh, and I think they're going to be showing probably like a preview of like Tenet or like a, a probably an extended clip, I would imagine. Um, and I think what the report was that Warner Brothers is actually going to be showing some um, additional uh, clips of films in their franchises coming up, or at least their slate. So I don't know. I mean, you know, they're in a tough spot. I mean, we, we've talked about this before that, you know, movie theaters were already kind of struggling. It seemed like they were really only getting a lot of people to come out for the big releases. And so you saw even the studios themselves were kind of pushing a lot of these temple, you know, releases and really kind of trying to prioritize some of that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an era where you got people that can be at home and watch Netflix or, you know, or, you know, in this case, HBO's HBO Max is available. Uh, you got, you know, Hulu, you got all these different ways of being able to consume content. And, and all this COVID-19 did is just really accelerate that. And now people are a lot more used to watching some of the stuff at home. I mean, in fact, we've even had a couple of, you know, theatrical releases uh, at home, which has been kind of testing the waters here. Actually, that, that surprises me that they're not gonna, they haven't, that they're still going for the theater release. They're not trying to just put, they're just, they're not giving up on, on them, really. They're, they're keeping them and they're not releasing them at all. And so they're just throwing them up on for streaming. Well, it, but I think if you look at the movies that they, that they've chosen to put into streaming is family animated movies, comedies, movies that don't normally, you know, bring in big crowds anyway. What are they forcing to keep in theaters at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's tough because, I mean, that's been the uh, distribution mechanism that the studios have been using for the longest time, you know, so they've got a really um, close relationship with these exhibitors and, uh, you know, the you could see that the movie theaters are wanting, or the movie studios are wanting to uh, start being able to toy around with some other distribution models and that's upset a lot of these exhibitors uh, in fact I mean I remember a lot of the exhibitors were upset about uh, trolls being released <laughs> online and uh, so I, I think you know it's this, it's this little symbiotic relationship that they're trying to tread lightly with here but it, it just kind of feels like everybody's hands going to be forced here <laughs> because yeah. you know in the end the studios need to you know they need to do whatever it takes to make the most money for you know these movies that they invested a ton of money into Right? do you, do you actually go out to the theaters a lot, Josh? Uh, yeah, I am a AMC A-lister. Okay. So uh, I try to get my at least something, if, if something comes out. Uh, like that uh, one week where the uh, you, you guys did the, uh, uh, what's the show? Joker. I remember. Uh, well, not just Joker. Uh, 
it was when Godzilla came out, and then right after that, John Wick Three came out, or something like that. And then oh, oh. when Ray and I were doing uh, Phantom Borders Plus, yeah, 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 yeah. That was damn. That was every. I was. I. I think that was the most I went to the movies in the whole month, like because it was just coming out. Yeah. So I, I. I love the movie experience. I always try to get the IMAX seat if there. Uh, so yeah, I. I miss not going. Oh, I need movie theaters back. Yeah, I need my me time. <laughs> I need something to get out of the house. <laughs> uh, my biggest problem is like where I live, the closest uh, movie theaters or IMAX theaters are an hour away, a little bit over an hour away. So it's like I usually only go for like the DC movie premieres. I'll, I'll go there. I actually haven't gone the last uh, two. But uh, but yeah, that's what I would usually do. So I would go out there for that. But the other, my other biggest problem is like I just can't. <laughs> I just don't have the time. It's like it's difficult with a family to do it. So I've always yeah. been more of the type of uh, customer that would uh, be willing to pay a little bit extra to get some these movie premieres at home because that's something I can do. That's like something I'm able to spend money on. The other one is, you know, for me to get babysitters or to go out and um, take the whole family is just so expensive <laughs> for me personally. That's why you leave the family at home and just go yourself. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the way I work. You got to get on the me time program. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've done it a couple times. I don't do it that often though. Well, that's your own fault. Hey. I only started doing it recently, uh, but it was weird at first, but I don't mind it much now. <laughs> yeah, it is a little weird at first though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I'd be sitting in there as like people around me that are like couples or like groups of people and I'm just sitting there by myself and like well I'm just gonna sit there and stare at my phone because like you know <laughs> how do I not look awkward it's like being yeah. uh it's being it's like being at a party where you don't know anybody <laughs> yeah it's kind of like the same per- thing yeah you just post up in your corner <laughs> you're right <laughs> oh so we'll see so it, speaking of kind of the streaming thing it's been also interesting watching how all these Warner Media and HBO Max executives have been doing these interviews and I'm going to be completely honest, I've been enjoying the clapback because they've been getting some interviewers who are being a little snarky in their questions and they're just, they're shutting that crap down. I mean, I, I read this entire Vulture article and you could just see the, because it was a long interview, and you could just see as the interview went on that Gonclaves was just like, I'm not answering that. Stop. Like, 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 you could just tell that he was just losing his patience because this particular interviewer was like a dog with a bone and just would not let stuff go. Kept on like asking the same question five different ways throughout the interview. And he was like, nope, not going to answer that. Yeah. And of course, this is definitely one of those interviewers who wants to talk about what is the precedent that gets set by, you know, HBO Max releasing Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he had a great quote. He said, industry and consumers aren't always aligned, but consumers do tend to win. It's a fine balance. And I think when it comes to video, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to content, consumers have never had more choice and they've never had more of a voice. But that doesn't mean that we're going to go and invest our dollars in every single fandom that exists. And I was just like, thank you. Yes. Let's talk about the consumer consumers yeah. and what the consumers want and what they want to give your what they want to pay you for yeah well yeah and then when he, he went on to say that you know i think it's uh the reference to the snyder cut and uh, the the friends fandom he says it really it's the fact that the consumers are speaking and he says we have to listen it doesn't mean that we're going to go redo every movie ever made but i think we definitely have to have our ear to the ground and i think we do and and i think that's i think that's definitely true like i i kind of feel like you know um the interview in his article 
article, he's like, you know, as you said, he was kind of being snarky. And, and these guys are going, no, 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 this is smart business for us. And and I like how, you know, you get a little pushback. I'm like, no, 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 this is this is a good thing. You know, we want engaged consumers. So yeah. uh, even Marvel did that when they had their movies coming out, you know, they they they, they listen, you listen to interviews and, you know, the, the writers and the, the, the directors and the, the actors, they, they they know what the fans were like uh, speculating. They, they knew the rumors. So it, it's always good for any any uh, entertainment uh, business to listen to, to the fans, especially when they're screaming at you like the Snyder Cut fans. Yeah, yeah, no we doubt. We weren't screaming. We were just politely <laughs> requesting. Politely requesting. A lot. We're doing it a lot. A lot for two and a half years, you know. It was a, it was a lot of poking. Yeah. <laughs> Poking's fine. Um, I, I also loved it with there being an interview with Sarah Aubrey, who is the content head of HBO Max. And once again, the, 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 the precedent, uh, you know, the question was actually worded, you made a big splash for the announcement that you'd be releasing Zack Snyder's director's cut of Justice League. Should other filmmakers expect or will they demand the same treatment? And I love the way that Aubrey puts it. Her answer was, I don't worry about opening a Pandora's box. It's not going to be one size fits all. Speaking of, and she said, as of the Snyder cut, I think it's already a success given the press we've had around it. And it's like, yep, there's the business person going. We got press. <laughs> yeah. We got our name out there. This is a win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so, I mean, you know, and I think that's the one thing that has always seemed interesting to me. It seemed like HBO Max uh, kind of got it. Like, they want to tap into this enthusiasm because they need to get these, you know, they need to get people to come in and subscribe and want to stay there. That's their business model. <laughs> their business model is not put out a, you know, general audience type film to try to bring as many people into the seats as possible. And, and, and that's it. Like, they want people to come in. They want that enthusiasm. They want people to be engaged. They want people to come in and stay. And uh, it, it's it's such a, you know, it, it's funny to me hearing these executives from HBO Max talk. They talk so differently than the executives from Warner Brothers. Oh my goodness, do they? <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I love it. I think that's the that's the good thing about uh, streaming services like Netflix and HBO Max, all these kinds of uh, these services, is because they don't they're they're so fresh. You know, they they don't have to answer to anybody like at Warner Brothers. So you don't have to worry about stuff. And uh, clearly, they're they're a lot more open minded than, than old Hollywood. Well, it, and it seems like to me. Uh, you know, when it comes to AT&T and we'll say, you know, Warner Media and specifically Warner Media Entertainment, you know, they've got when it comes to the superhero franchise, they've got all this DC Comics intellectual property at their disposal. And for the most part, most of this, most of the significant content has been pretty much owned and, you know, basically had, had the first right of refusal, you know, it would have been like Warner Brothers Pictures. And I, and I kind of feel like there's this, like this, you know, internally HBO Max says, no, no, you're not doing much with this stuff or you have tried to do some things and you failed we're gonna we're gonna take this thing and embrace it and do a heck of a lot more with it and you know i, I think that's what we we see happening you know we're gonna know a whole heck of a lot more as we kind of lead up to this release of Zack Snyder's justice league we're gonna find out just how how much they're gonna try to go all in with this and we don't know for sure yet what that's gonna be but it just seems it, it it's it's so interesting how you see these different parts of the business which in some ways are they're not necessarily competing but they they definitely are in different branches of the corporation you know talking about Warner Brothers Pictures and HBO Max and you could see one is like saying you know this is an opportunity for us to take something and do some of these properties and let's see if they follow through with it speaking of which if you want to watch the DC movies a lot of them I suggest you take you get on that because as of July 1st they're going to be leaving for a few months Uh, guys let's remember this Warner Brothers had legacy deals what do you think is going to happen when all those properties leave HBO Max because it's pretty much almost every DC movie that's going to get taken off it looks like well, I th- 
think what's going to happen is that they're just the DC content is just going to be sparse until that stuff comes back. But of course, you also got to remember when July hits, more stuff's going to be on. Like they're going to be bringing more stuff on. I mean, you got to remember it's HBO Max. It's not a DC only, you know, service. So it's all their eggs right now is not in that DC basket. But they do have three to six months. I'm hearing that those movies are going to be gone because of other deals with, you know, other vendors. And then they'll rotate back in because these were deals that were made before HBO Max was a thing. So, of course, I can, you know, I keep on hoping that when they come back, they'll have worked out whatever they need to work out with Legendary and we'll have Man of Steel on there. And maybe they'll finally put the Ultimate Edition of BVS on there. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I'm hoping that when they come back, better deals will be in place. Because you got you got to imagine, they're hoping that these legacy deals run out so that when they come back, they're back to stay. Yeah, people have to remember that. I mean, this is a this is a whole new distribution means here, and so many times, especially like with Warner Brothers, they'll have people that will basically sign on, and then um, they'll fund a, a film so that they can get distribution rights. And you have to kind of work through all that kind of stuff right now. And it's it's not as clear cut as people think it is. And it's and it's I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than we're even aware of uh, right now. But you know, uh, you know, the AT and T once they bought Warner Media, they click quickly were trying to get into this game of like you know having a streaming service well i mean the studios and they were still you know setting up their own distribution plans with all these other partners and and so they have to kind of navigate through all that stuff right now so i i you know i i would say this is probably going to be this way for a while yet but i would say certainly down the road i think corporately i think everything's going to be focused in on like how do we have the distribution rights that we want so that we can distribute it however we want and not have these kind of like interruptions and that kind of thing so guys are we finally going to get are we finally going to get to go to san diego comic-con <laughs> well it sounds like we're gonna finally get to do it and participate but this time at home i i know right so it's being it, nothing official ish has been like there's a lot of rumor and sources and that kind of thing but the word is that san diego comic-con at home will be held on the exact same dates which are july 22nd through 26th but it's going to be completely free for guests to participate they're promising panels and presentations on all the same topics they normally would and apparently there's also some rumor that there'll be some sort of like artist alley or you know something where that you can go on and like buy stuff that normally you know like con exclusives that normally you would have had to have gone to comic-con to to get a hold of so i'll be I, i'm playing a wait and see to look at how is this arrangement going to work because i've never been able to make it a san diego comic-con no. so do i get to have some kind of experience <laughs> that doesn't involve getting secondhand phone footage on youtube right for me to watch <laughs> some panels i don't know that's always the best part is uh the, the aftermath <laughs> have you been to comic-con josh well you're a lot closer than we are uh no never never had the money nor the time to attempt to go yeah I, like how far away is that for you i'm not i know you're i could drive there you could drive there how like how long would that take you an hour oh really okay you're that close yeah i mean it's you know i i've seen hall h like i've been out to san diego for other reasons and i like it usually when i stay i stay like right across the street from the convention center so like i could see hall h from the windows <laughs> but that's the closest I've ever been. Um, yeah, I've not been able to go uh, to an actual convention, but uh, you know, this goes back to a long-running theme that we've talked about in this show. It's like I, I think any of these kind of things, like uh, like a Comic Con, or and we talked about it with film, we talked about it with comics, we talked about it like in terms of like being able to get your product out there with as many people that could have access to it. Uh, I think this is going to be something that I think could long-term benefit uh, San Diego Comic Con quite a bit if they have a, a means to kind of open this thing up to other people.
people. Now that's assuming that uh, you know that Marvel and DC and all these other uh, studios have not pulled their stuff out <laughs> by now. Right. Because like I, I think um, if you remember last year when we saw the uh, the Wonder Woman presentation uh, at yes. in Brazil. Oh, that was like, so good. How phenomenal that was. That was better than some Comic Con stuff. It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was so. It was so amazing. I loved it. Yeah, I, I think to me that would have been like kind of a wake up call. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. we need to do something, you know, because we we need to be able to show and express all that fan enthusiasm, which they did so effectively. So I we'll see. I don't know, you know, if if this if these plans do exactly go through, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they've got all the major studios that are still going to be presenting things. Um, this could be. I mean, this will be something that I will definitely tune into. Yeah, and um, I'm I'll be curious to see, you know, who all participates. What do they actually have? I I've heard I've heard the rumblings that WonderCon did not go off so well when they tried to do this. So I'm not sure if that just came from planning or I'm not even sure what people's complaints are. I just heard a general grumblings about WonderCon at home. So I'll be very interested to see what, you know, SDCC does. And hey, I can participate if I feel like it. So yeah. yay. Yeah, that'll be cool. Because we've also got Justice Con that's going to be happening on July 25th and 26th. If you're not aware, this was announced during the um, charity watch party on Sunday for Man of Steel. Um, the, you know, Nerd Queens and Wonder Meg are helping to organize a Justice League-centric con through Vero uh, with confirmed guests so far, uh, including Ray Porter, Jay Oliva, Sean O'Connell, and uh, Zach himself. Plus some friends like Shiraz and Chris Wong, who are going to be on panels. So there's going to be, pa- it's two days, there's going to be panels, and so we don't have any details yet, but the announcement happened on Sunday at the end of the the live stream. Yeah, that'll be interesting you know, considering the overlap with uh, Comic-Con there. Yeah, I noticed that too. I'm very curious about those last two days. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, usually the very last day is not as big of a deal, but certainly that I think the 25th would be, right? You would think because Saturday is usually Hall H day. Yeah. yeah. I wonder uh, whose numbers are going to do better. <laughs> well, I mean, Comic-Con's going to do better, but... Yeah, um, I'm sure. But it, it, it is interesting. It, it also makes me wonder, like, uh, assuming there wasn't any kind of uh, overlapping oversight here, it, it kind of tells you that maybe there's nothing major planned <laughs> on the 25th and 26th for Comic-Con when it comes to Warner Max. So we'll see. We'll, we're, we're still waiting more details as we as we get some of the information. We'll, of course, let you guys know as we get closer. Um, of course, we talked about Wonder Woman 1984 moving. Uh, we did get some comments from Gal Gadot. Uh, she said the new release date for Wonder Woman 1984, of course, is October 2nd. Uh, it's finally happening. I couldn't be more excited. To all the fans that stuck with us through this time, we thank you very much. We couldn't have done this without you. I'm excited for you to get to see Wonder Woman 1984. It will be worth the wait. And uh, I, she published like all these images of uh, the the frontage of a bunch of different theaters with the new date on it. I couldn't tell if that was just Photoshop. I couldn't either, but I suspected it was Photoshop. Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't imagine if they actually had people go out and you know deck those things up. But uh, Patty Jenkins as well said, wish we were sharing our film yesterday, but there are more important things going on in our world. We'd rather you focus on for now. Thank you for the fans for being so great by our sides. Can't wait for you to see it. Sending love and healing to the world. See you October 2nd. I mean, it's exactly right. There's big things going on right now yep. in this world. So yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of sad to see this, but uh, I, I'm like really itching to see this film and I'm kind of at a point now where I was like, oh, not another delay. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm itching to just see the next installment of this. Hey, all I know is that that means that my baby is going to be older when my wife decides to leave <laughs> it with a grandparent when we go see that movie. Because yep. before, the baby was going to be like, 
a week old. Now, at least the baby will be like, ah, three months, two months, yeah. two months old. Good. That's old okay, enough. we can go. You guys That's will be able to enough. get off. Yeah. Here's a bottle. <laughs> Mommy and daddy are going to go have a break. <laughs> you can have a small portion of your life back for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that date, the prior date was just not a good date for you. <laughs> that was not a good date. My wife was saying, no, I will make it happen. I will go see Wonder Woman. I was like, but are you really? Yeah. When it happens, we'll see. Oh, <laughs> uh, she'd probably be seeing it by herself. She'd be handing Scott the baby. Here you go. I'm leaving. <laughs> she wouldn't trust me with that baby. I've I've only helped raise two others, but you know, apparently she know. she is as smart as I thought she was. <laughs> We've also gotten word from the UK that the Batman is among several movies that have gotten the go ahead from the British government that they can resume filming. So apparently, you know, the film boards over in the UK have kind of set up the parameters, and I guess the Batman has satisfied those parameters, and the filming will be soon. Because you know, I'm looking forward to that. Because because I need to start seeing some. We need like a proper like suit reveal. We yeah. Need some. <laughs> uh, all this just got kind of like uh, stuck in limbo right now. But I think it, you know, they got the go ahead here. But I think it also is going to be down to just like how soon the production is going to be ready to go back. I'm not entirely sure that they're quite ready yet. You know, I'm sure they're still working out plans. Right. I'm not saying that it's going to start tomorrow. No. But I'm going to say that at least no one's telling them they can't get started. Right. I mean, Josh, how are you feeling about this Batman film? Are you pretty excited about it? Oh, Matt Reeves, you put his name on it i'm in there yeah. man. I'm freaking plan the apes was so good so I'm, I'm i can't wait for this movie um it's different i'm i'm actually really happy it's to fresh you know mm-hmm. we're not we're not just getting a clone of something else which you know a lot of people i've seen don't appreciate that but i i appreciate fresh eyes and that creativity so yeah i'm pretty excited i'm, I'm also i'm more interested in the setting because uh it's more of a gothier old older gotham well yeah with the more the, the more yeah more the modern instead of the modern buildings giant six yeah using glasgow is there exteriors i'm going to be very interested to see like what does this gotham look like yeah, yeah. i mean it we, we looked at some of the buildings in glasgow and it, it it definitely has like a really cool feel to it so you know and it's something that um you know as much as i love the nolan films and even you know some of what you know Zack snyder did what the little bit we saw at gotham it is going to be kind of fun to see um a, a gotham city that has some of that more gothic type character you know we yeah. saw a little bit from the tim burton films like just a, like a really kind of uh like a cool aesthetic to the to Gotham City there certainly wasn't anything super special with the Nolan films it was just a city it was Chicago and Pittsburgh I mean the narrows the narrows (laughs) were kind of cool but I mean this is going to be interesting it it looks to me like you know they're going to be doing something kind of cool with that um the way the city is going to look so I'm looking forward to that I'm excited for this film I mean I definitely want to see uh Ben Affleck I would like to see more of him as Batman in fact I'm looking forward to it with Zack Snyder's Justice League but like for me being able to see a brand new Batman you get like the suit reveal you get your first look at the batmobile you get like what kind of gadgets are you going to have you know what's he going to have in his utility belt you know like all these things like what's wayne manor going to look like like i i get excited about all these things anytime we get a new iteration of batman so i'm i'm just super excited i and i'm hopeful i i hope we get to see both ben affleck and pattinson you know putting out some batman comment uh content simultaneously so that's yeah that's my hopes and dreams right now yeah and the, a lot of the fun is speculation because uh oh, when they revealed the uh, or not revealed when someone took a photo of the stunt double on the motorcycle. I, I just like I just saw that and I was like, I don't know why I'm getting a very, very year 
uh, year zero vibe or zero hour. It was the two yeah. uh, event where the Riddler blacked out everything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, it was basically like just apocalyptic Gotham. Yeah, I, I, that'd be cool if they do something like that. And it would make sense because they have all the villains that are in there. You know, they have like little appearances here and there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be kind of cool. It looks to me like you know, especially with the pictures we've seen of the Batmobile, like it looks like a very early version of the Batmobile, which I think is yeah. gonna be kind of fun to see. I mean, it's not gonna be like you know the Tim Burton ones where like he had this like outstanding Batmobile like and you always ask like well how in the world did he do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah where did that come from and then you had the very convenient thing from the Nolan films where you know he had you know he had a tech department that was creating all this stuff as like a as like a uh, skunk works project for the government you know so that was kind of a convenient thing so like you could see here he just it looks like he took a vehicle and just kind of souped it up and and that's what he's kind of starting off with so I, I it's 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 a it's an angle of Batman we haven't really explored yet right yeah, and my thoughts have been made well known how much I am excited about the Batmobile looking like a car. Yeah. So, yay! It's been, a, it's been a minute, been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a couple minutes, anyway. Yeah. Oh, um, so Ray Fisher came out on Twitter, and he says, I don't praise Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder for simply putting me in Justice League. I praise them for empowering me. A black man with no film credits to his name, with a seat at the creative table, and input on the framing of the stones before there was even a script. And he said, hashtag Borg life. Zack Snyder quote tweeted that, and he said, you, Ray, are the heart of my movie. I love that. Yeah. I mean, Ray has always been the one wearing his heart on his sleeve this entire time. And the more we find out about some of what happened backstage, so to speak, the more that I Heart ZS shirt really means a lot when he did that at Comic-Con. Yep, he means it. So I, I love, I loved reading that tweet. And just, you know, I don't even think of the fact that he, that this was going to be his, that this was his first film role. Like, I, I forget that because he's just kind of been around to go, no, he was a stage actor. Yeah. This was going to be his big break. Oh, I, I, I'm really excited for him I when am. it comes to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. And especially like everything we've kind of learned about all the stuff that was removed from Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. I mean, it had the stuff that I just like, you know, I just live and die for. Is like I just want to see I want to see like this this character study I want to see I want to see this heart that we clearly were going to get you know from Cyborg storyline here and I I'm just so excited that we're going to be able to get that like some of the teases that Zack Snyder's put out concerning you know Cyborg and uh, like some of the if the send an ancient uh, visual effects that were kind of leaked out it just looks like there's going to be so much more there that we were just missing and I, I just I, I think probably that's one of the things that excites me the most about this film is being able to finally see um, what they were trying to do with you know with Ray Fisher's character in this film you know it I, I love seeing the actor just uh, give so much love to Zach you know and you don't hear any of them say it bad about him because it, it's not just Ray it's, it's Gal it's, it's pretty much the whole cast who you know they, they give Zach his, his credit and uh, yeah Ray Ray got slaughtered in this movie with the theatrical cut because especially you realize it more when Zach was posting photos there is just so much uh, just so much to marinate on with them you know, because his story is, is pretty tragic, but it's the fact that you can, it looks like we're going to be able to go inside of his brain a little bit, experience it with them, you know, and, and go through this this roller coaster. So, yeah, I can't can't wait to get more rank because that's that's a big chunk that was taken away from us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's probably going to be, my guess is that's going to be one of the uh, probably most beloved.
love things about this new, um, you know, cut, the original cut, is being able to see mm-hmm. all that. Speaking of cuts, <laughs> um, David Ayer got a little excited this week. I mean, you know, there's that new Twitter account, RT SS on Twitter, that's kind of really pushing for the air cut. And you could tell that David Ayer was completely aware of their, um, you know, they they had started it, you know, a campaign, and then in light of the Black Lives Matter discussions going on, they paused it for about a week and they restarted it. And so you could tell that David Ayer was aware because the photos he was dropping on his Instagram was matching the character that was being highlighted for that day. So, you know, we fir- we start off by getting a new photo of Katana that, from what looks like the final battle, you know, and you see that tentacle, you know, that is supposed to possess her at some point. So right. So it's like, ooh, more Katana. <laughs> yeah. And I loved how David was doing it too because he was just dropping these images like mixed in with all of his other Instagram stories. And I know you don't have Instagram, Scott, but like, you know, it'll just be basically like a short little 20, 30 second kind of clip of just different pictures, basically whatever he wants to kind of highlight or talk about. And then and it would all be non-comic book related or Suicide Squad related. And then there'd just be an image just dropped in there towards the end. And it would just kind of like flash on the screen for just a couple seconds. And and that's where uh, that's where actually where you saw the Katana image. But yeah, I think you're right. I think I think he's kind of teasing the whole thing about where she gets taken over. You remember hearing about that, Josh? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, just we, we've just been done so dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's so sad, man. All the all the, the goodness, you know, this just this, these little teases that we, we could have had, you know, just out of the gate and it was all stripped away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh the I, I love it when you post photos, especially of Joker. Yeah. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. I, I love that Joker. Oh I did that too. Joker that Joker is so accurate, comic book accurate, even though people will disagree and it's only because they've seen Ledger Joker. It's like man, nah, that that's a Joker. Jared Little did great work with that and uh yeah, more katana because she got nothing that the actual cut. Yeah, yeah, that's been a that's been a trend of these characters who could just get completely stripped out of the movies, and it's like, oh, I, I I'd like to see more katana, you know, or or you know, Croc or Joker or, or any any of these people who got next to nothing, you know, when the theatrical version, even with the extended cut. I mean, the I I've always kind of at least praised extended cut for giving us more with Diablo. Yeah, Diablo was one I, I i really liked him quite a bit in the film uh but i mean he was just a number of one of a number of characters that clearly were cut out katana being one obviously jared leto we know how you know he was filming a ton of things for that and and the thing that i think is the most frustrating is you see david Ayer having to live with the criticism of the film you know because it's it's got his name on it he's a director it's you know it's his quote unquote cut he definitely co- towed the company line uh as a good soldier would you know, he basically said, yep, that was my cut. But then you could just tell the frustration and all the abuse he's gotten over, you know, the last few years, you know, for that film and his, you know, version of Joker. You could just see it's all boiling over. Like he's ha- he's had enough at this point. And, and yeah. I think the thing that I love the most is he's publishing these photos in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> he's been paying attention. Yeah, it's a little trend going yeah, on. He's been paying attention. <laughs> I love that new Joker photo because it's obvious that Joker Joker breaking Harley out of Bell Rev at the end was going to be in a much different tone than the version that we saw in the theatrical version. Yeah. And then that picture of Harley from Harley Day with her and Batfleck, you know, when he's resuscitating her, looks like that they had a little bit more of a moment than even what we got in the theatrical. So I'm gonna, I'm like, whoa, how did that all play out? Yeah. Yeah, I need to go back and look at that one because 
I mean, I still remember it was essentially that shot, but I, I don't know if it was that angle. It was not that angle. Okay. It wasn't. Yeah. No. You know, so. I, the the last time I had seen Suicide Squad, I, I was just amazed at how well he did Batman in that film. And not just Batman, but I think the whole the whole thing with Bruce Wayne at the end with Amanda Waller at that restaurant, which we know was from the original cut, that was such a phenomenal end credit scene. It really made you like get excited, like, oh my God, where is this going to go? Right. And, and when I see that, I'm like, I get so depressed thinking about what happened after that. Yeah, because it, it, it's just dangling there. At the it, It's basically, it was, the, it kind of still is, it was the nightmare scene. It was the same thing with that for a while, you know? Was, they, they were just going to leave that be in a movie and not go back to it at all. Uh, makes me wonder if maybe the Suicide Squad was supposed to open this, or maybe have was next to Deathstroke Lex Luthor. So. See, I don't know. I, what do you think, Scott? I, I don't think Suicide Squad was ever supposed to be in Justice League. I don't think that. I mean, I, I know, I mean, we, we know that from the script stages that there were supposed to be some a lot more fourth world connections that got removed um, I think that was just supposed to be the fun little I wonder if there's a tease I do wonder in David's haircut if while we know the parademons and Steppenwolf and all that was stripped out I wonder if there's something else in there that would have been one of those hinting towards Justin yeah, yeah we know the whole parademon thing was never filmed like that was stripped out before yeah. they even began principal photography that's why we got the eyeball yeah. monsters which were fine but man, it would have been it would have been really cool if it really actually did all tie in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean those those eyeball things were pretty creepy. <laughs> they just weren't on screen long enough. No, they no. weren't. Yeah, I, I like them. I like the design. The design was cool. Yeah, I remember when we saw the set pictures of that. Did you were you looking uh, at the set images that were leaking out at the time, Josh? I remember we first got that image of like this eyeball creature. Like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was. I, I do remember seeing a lot of videos, though. Mm. There was a lot of videos. There was, was, yeah. Oh, and I've said, you know, this this film has just increased uh, through time. Like I, I just start to admire this film more and more. It's, you know, yeah. it's not a David Error type film. Like it's got David Error in it, but it's not. It's not the typical David Error film. Uh, I appreciate it for what it is, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what David Error had in mind. I, I would yeah. like to see that story for sure. I, I, I appreciate the the characters. I appreciate the acting a lot too. It was very good acting. You have the the development that they had. Not all of them got any sort of development, but you know, Deadshot, yeah, Deadshot, Harley Quinn. Uh, they they had their their time in the sun. Diablo. Everyone I remember hearing from everybody. They loved Diablo. Um, that was great. So yeah, I think that it. I think David Ayer's cut is just a lot more from the character rather than running a plot from A to B. Yeah, he even respond. David Ayer even responded to Chris Juan Swenson who asked him about the you know Joker and Harley in the in the chopper <laughs> and you know they're you know in the theatrical version like they get attacked and harley like falls out of the helicopter and david air confirmed that no joker pushes harley out of the helicopter but he also so, clarifies not to kill her not to kill her but he did push her but, out. but he did push her out yeah so i'm gonna you no know, i like because once again there are those moments that when you go back and watch the movie you just see how awkwardly they played out because yeah because yeah, they like threw in a reshoot to try to change something and he's continued to have more conversations over the weekend about Harley being in that toxic relationship and growing out of the toxic relationship and how that was a whole arc he had planned out. Yeah. Well, and and also, there, this was one that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet, but somebody had actually asked, like, you know, what, 
was this backstory about you know Harley Quinn uh, killing Robin and uh, and David Ayer says yeah yeah that broke my timeline John's added it in and he's referring to the whole thing that little throwaway thing that was thrown on the screen that Harley Quinn you know was accomplice to a murder of a Robin accomplice to a murder of, of Robin yeah. yeah which always you know and we had always like said at the time like we understood that the whole reason for him having those teeth is because Batman beat the crap out of him uh, and knocked his teeth out and that was basically you know Joker's way of just kind of like rubbing it back in Batman's face and uh, that didn't always work out because when he had first met Harley um, when she was just Harleen as a therapist in the asylum he had the teeth at the time yeah so, yeah. so and it's just, just God, stop it stop <laughs> screwing these movies yeah I don't whatever man <laughs> it's, it's so sad that just because people well, even screw the Batman vs. Ben also took 30 minutes out of the film that should have stayed in the film right yeah stop <laughs> just just let's let the director do what the director wants to do I'm sure well and that was the worst part because I mean especially with Zack Snyder I mean the guy made a a cut that was you know two hours and 14 minutes long and clearly he did that because that you know that was the plan like they were letting him do a longer cut well and then you can't at the last second say oh yeah this thing needs to be like two hours and 20 minutes yeah. or two hours yeah. you know whatever the mandate might have been at the time like you, you can't do that because that changes so much about what the story would have been and uh, it, it's so frustrating you know like if that had been the parameters that Zach had had from the beginning he would have been able to put out a you know a good film not as not as yeah. expansive as he would like to do but I mean it would certainly be a film that would make sense and that's the part yeah. that's frustrating about all this yeah. and you know it, it seems like this happens to Zach a lot <laughs> Watchmen uh, Batman's Man you know um, I don't know what else oh Sucker Punch got demolished yeah. so uh, yeah that's why I kind of feel like some of these uh, you know some of these filmmakers that will put out these longer cuts of films and all that you know a streaming service is really such a great way to go because you know you don't have these like time limits you're not like trying to squeeze another showing into um, uh, you know a theater screen throughout the day you know and those are the kind of things that drive them to try to have like you know you know uh, time restrictions on the length of the film like you put a long film on a streaming service I mean there's no issue with that really whatsoever no people can start it people can stop it yeah so I kind of feel like you know this is going to be the kind of avenue for some of these kind of filmmakers you know yeah they're not putting these things up on the big screen and celluloid you know like they used to uh, you know as much but they can at least tell some of these stories in a longer form and and I'm kind of excited about the whole prospect of that speaking of streaming something I'm really looking forward to is the fact that we've gotten a trailer for the second season of Doom Patrol yeah yeah June 25th and they're dropping three episodes in the first day yeah yeah even better love it yeah you like Doom, Doom Patrol right Josh I've I liked everything the NBC Universe had put out um, I've not gotten around to Stargo I don't know if I'm going to watch it real but uh, Harley Quinn surprised me actually uh, I was skeptical on that one uh, but once I saw that trailer and uh, I saw what they were going for I was like oh freaking awesome and it's just been the gift that keeps on giving so really but um, yeah Doom Patrol I cannot wait to get back into that because it is every episode is just so good it's just I don't know what it is it's so ridiculous it's so out there it's yeah great great lot of fun I mean it's a it's a it's a live action Grant Morrison it's really what yeah. it is yeah is it isn't it though yeah oh, and that's gonna get a lot more eyeballs considering that it's gonna be co-releasing in both DC Universe and HBO Max yeah but I love how they're advertising it's like Max original it's like <laughs> right. oh we just we, we took that one from you thank you well it's, it's the same thing now. Netflix did <laughs> Netflix does it all the time I wonder if they're if it's gonna show that on DC Universe or not that'd be the funny thing no no no, no I mean because they do that what was the one I was thinking of um, Netflix would take something called Netflix original 
original. They even did it with Titans overseas. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah when they, yeah, they didn't do it domestically, but overseas, uh, Netflix had the streaming rights for Titans, and so they called it a Netflix original. I remember when that happened. Yeah. I think I saw the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a little uh, branding games that they do. Whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, a cool thing that happened: Watchmen on HBO was awarded a Peabody. Yeah. Which was fantastic. And if you're if you're not aware, the Peabody Awards go to programs that have made a significant impact on media programming and the cultural landscape. So you just get one, and basically it means you were a big deal. You did something important. Mm-hmm. As Watchmen should do. <laughs> yes, as right. Watchmen should do. Yeah. And it feels almost even more relevant with you know current events. Right, right now that Watchmen is definitely a show that spoke to those racial issues that are you know still being dealt with and talked about right now so. yeah I, I was kind of thinking about the, the other day you know thinking back about how well Watchmen kind of brought to light you know the Tulsa massacre it's like one of these it's one of these terrible events that you know at least in this country like we've just kind of buried it and tried to sweep it underneath the carpet and I love the fact that they were they were out in front of that and you know recognize that this is you know this was something now was the right time to really kind of bring this bring this forward and kind of like rip that band-aid off you know so that um you get people talking about it and i know certainly when watchmen first came out like i mean i've talked to co-workers about it i've talked to fans about it like so many people were just unaware of the this these terrible events that happened in our history and uh and i think that in watchmen style did exactly what watchmen has always done <laughs> is it 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 has that kind of significant significant impact to kind of really bring that to the forefront and uh i'm so happy to timing wise um, that they did what they did, especially, you know, uh, with the sense of urgency that is is a lot more prevalent nowadays, more so than it ever has been in the past with Black Lives Matter. You know, it, it's just, um, it, it, again, like it, it proved what it always does. It was kind of ahead of its time. And I hope we get another chance. I, I hope somebody can take the reins and come back for another season of that. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still happy with the fact, I, I'm still, I would be happy if the show just ended. I know you would. Yeah. But I still want, I, I want, I want more rest to be taken like if somebody can come up with a story that's worthy and they say you know what i think we can take this to an interesting place for a season two or a next season whatever you want to call it um i i would like to see it it's that's the kind of um that's the kind of storyline that's kind of show that should do that kind of stuff yeah i I, I, i'm in the middle (laughs) i'm more on scott's side because i'm like yeah it's a it's a good uh part two to what the original watch was and uh but i'm also with youtube because i'm like i want to watch more (laughs) yeah i want more i want more good but uh no yeah it, it's so good because the original Watchmen, it, where it takes place, the time that it takes place, and the stuff that it messed with in American Three, it's so it was it's so relevant to that time. Even you can read it now and still feel like it's relevant. But now they they, they really got a version and they, they made this Watchmen so so uh, updated to the current events that are happening right now. And uh, you know it, it's it's just good storytelling. It's it's great uh, top year uh, you know philosophy and just stuff to think about. And especially and what's even cooler is it's with superheroes. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if they come up with another storyline, I wouldn't even mind if they even took it to another point in the future, you know, right. or just something entirely different. Even if they bring back a whole different cast, just, you know, the opportunity to do something and have something important to say. That's that's my that's my motivation. It is left open. I would like I wouldn't mind seeing what where she goes. Uh, I forget her name, but um, she goes in her with her life. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And I guess we need to take a moment to end the show on a little bit of a somber note. But um, it was announced on Friday that legendary comic book writer and editor. Dennis Denny O'Neill passed away at the age of 81. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but he's been a part of my comic book reading life for a 
almost as far back as I can remember. My entire life, yeah. I mean, I, my first, I mean, the, we on the DC side basically know him as either a green, uh, a, you know, he, he, he paired up with Neil Adams and they basically did two iconic runs. There was the Green Lantern, Green Arrow run that really dealt with social issues and social justice and making comic books relevant to the current time. And then, of course, there was this Batman run that is particularly notable because, one, it brought Batman back. It basically rescued Batman from the 60s camp and brought him back to being this dark Avenger of the night. And it also introduced characters like Raish and Talia al Ghul because he co-created those characters in his run on Batman. Yeah. Oh, man, I I, uh, I remember him the most, uh, or at least the, the first memories I had of him when I actually knew who he was was that Green Lantern, Green Arrow story. And, uh, you know, from issue number 76, that was the one where really kind of touched on black representation in, in comic book. And it was one of these things that, you know, as a kid, you know, because I always kind of felt like I never felt like I was represented. And uh, and it was one of those stories, like, and I read it, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, I, I loved what they were trying to do there. And I, I think people were really kind of taken aback about, like, how bold they were trying to be with, like, bringing forward, like, the idea that, you know, you know, there is no black community representation in comic books at the time. It was very little, like it was few and far between. And that was like such a important story that really, like, I'll never forget it. Like it, it, it always stuck with me. It also introduced Jon Stewart as a Green Lantern. It did. Yeah. Shortly. Yeah. Shortly after that. So, but it was like one of those things, like it's probably one of the most famous comic book sequences and panels of all time. And that was, uh, you know, that was Denny O'Neill that, you know, wrote those words to that. And then of course, you know, all the other Batman stories, um, that he was a part of and all that. And then when he became the editor for the Batman yeah. books and all the stuff that he did. I mean, if you want to go back to his Marvel career, I mean, he's responsible for, put, for putting Frank Miller on Daredevil. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he's just, he, he's an icon. There is a really great interview that came out years ago on Fat Man Beyond back when it was Fat Man on Batman. Kevin Smith did a very, very detailed interview with Denny O'Neill. It's episode 286 of that podcast. Yeah, I would I've highly recommend. I would highly recommend you go and listen to that episode. Great interview. And, he, and Denny O'Neill is fantastic. You, anytime you'd see any of these these, uh, these documentaries about comic books, specifically the DC Comics ones, you know, whenever you'd have like Denny O'Neill pop in and you know have some words to say about whatever it was that they were talking about in the documentary, I, I just loved it. Like I like I love that guy. I was just like so sad when I saw the news. You know, Saturday morning. Yeah, uh, it, it's always sad when these great comic book writers go. And you know, uh, I can't say I, I knew Danny O'Neill. I mean, of course, I didn't know him, but uh, I I wasn't I haven't recognized much of his writing, or can't say I've read anything from him. I mean, but, you're not uh, as much of a comic book guy as I'm. I'm no, I'm I'm a pretty big comic book guy, but uh, more of newer stuff. And okay. uh, instead of, but I I have seen that Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow uh, run, and I I've been wanting to read it, so I should read it. Yes, uh, you, you take the opportunity. Yeah, because it, it with what you guys are saying, it seems a lot more important than I thought it was. Uh, but yeah, no people, you know, people like that that can take the medium and and do something important with it and say important things with it is it's always it's always good it's always enriching and it, it, it's always sad when they leave i mean it's why we love the comic book medium i mean there's there's such important stories being told you know i mean you know not every story that's told is obviously important but like you get these you get these things that are so impactful i mean we were just talking about watch how impactful has that been uh, you know denny o'neill's work been very impactful and you know it's uh it's sad but at the same time what's great about it is he was able to um you know provide his work into a, a medium that's never going to go away like it's always right. going to be there and we're always going to have like his legacy when it comes to you know what he tributes
contributed in the voice that he has. So, so I would say, yeah, you know, um, this is this is to Denny O'Neill, and thanks for you know all the great stories and all the great contributions that he had for all these characters we love. Okay, so that's really that. That's really it for this week's episode. I mean, kind of hit all the news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has been great. Uh, I do have one thing for you though, Josh. Um, really? Can we get you on again so that we can review Godzilla, the original film? Would you be down for that? No, I don't know. I'm a little busy lately. <laughs> a little busy. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a look at my calendar, Tim. I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, of course I want to do that. That's freaking awesome. I'm only going to do it if we do it in subtitles. I mean, that's, you know, I don't, <laughs> of course, that's I don't, I don't do dub. Way. I do subtitles. That's the only yeah, way. Subtitles I mean, only. The, the, the dub's a completely different movie. Right. It is. Absolutely. I don't like anything dubbed. I, I was just thinking, and I think I had seen, um, this is a di- slightly different uh, movie, but like a Das Boat. And I think you've seen Das Boat, right, Scott? I've seen portions. I've not you've seen, seen portions the whole of it. thing. Okay. Because that's a long movie. Das Boat is a long film. But like the first time I'd seen it was in Chicago and it was it was all in subtitles, you know, so it was all in, in German and with the subtitles. And it was like, I just absolutely fell in love with the film. And then I got the home release and I didn't realize it, but like it was automatically set up for like the dub. And I, I put that thing in there. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what, what is this? This isn't the film. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. I, did, I hated it. I hated it. Was it completely like did they have new scenes and stuff like that? No, it was it was all the exact same scenes, but they had some American voice actors coming in. I guess maybe maybe American German voice actors, but it was like it was all dubbed in English, and of course it was just like it's awful. Like I I just can't watch it. And the same thing with Godzilla. Um, I I can't listen to a dub. Sometimes, especially you know, there's over there's thirty movies, so guess how many of them are bad? A lot of them. So the bad ones, it makes it better. Well, you tell us, because uh, I want to do this. You tell us which one, and I was assuming maybe the first one. Uh, yes, that's that's like the, the, the premier one. one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I would like to, you know, let's uh, let's do this in time, and we'll figure out. Like I think uh, Scott, should we release it as uh, just a special DC Film Squadcast episode? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like we've done the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Eric. Rings, yeah. But this yeah. is one. This is one I definitely want to do. Yeah, <laughs> I've a, seen it though, so I'm I'm I'm. It's been I'm, a while for ex- me. I did watch it on HBO Max. Oh, because it, it, it's on HBO Max. Yeah. I had it on. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I had it on. I'm like, oh, it's been a while. And it's good quality, too. <gasps> the Criterion quality? Yeah. yeah. The, yeah the, criterion the Criterion one? Yes. Yeah. So it's really good. It's, so good. it's really good. So that's it, Josh. I, I want to get you on, and we're just going to do this again. Yeah. That sounds like fun. I love it. All right. Well, make sure you follow us on Twitter at DC Film Squadcast to, to, to find out when that's going to happen. You can follow me at ScottDC27. Yep. And then on Twitter, you can follow me at AlanFire. And of course, you can email us at DCFilmSquadcast at gmail.com. And Josh, where can the good folks find you? Uh, I am on Twitter at the real TheRealJRocker, and uh, I'm on Vero at JoshyB. Okay. I, I've always wondered, what's the story behind the real J-Rocker? Is there is there a fake uh, out there somewhere? Oh, yeah. There's all, there's all <laughs> sorts of Josh's out there. It's funny. Uh, my my buddy actually sent me a thing, and uh, it, it was like all Josh's on this date meet up in the middle of the desert. We're gonna have a fight for <laughs> 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 the real Josh. <laughs> That's awesome. There was like something uh, I can't remember. Maybe this will ring a bell to one of you guys, but there was like some somebody that had all the same name, and they had just started reaching out to each other on Twitter, and they formed this like group chat. I think it was like about, and it was all like guys, but like one of the people that they added was actually a female with the same name. Huh. And uh, anyway, it was just one of these things where like um she says this is probably the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me is like being part of this chat <laughs> but it's just like one of those things that like oh that's that's super funny that's great. Yeah. well if you want to learn more details about the
the Josh Illuminati. You know, go, <laughs> go follow Josh. We are also on Vero. We're on Facebook, and we can be found on our website at squawkcastmedia.com. Don't forget that we are a fan-supported network, and we appreciate everyone like Josh who contributes and helps us keep the lights on. That can be found at patreon.com slash squawkcastmedia. Remember, it's the $5 a month tier that gets you access to the RSS feed with all the exclusive content. So that's going to be it for this week's show. To all the listeners, I guess now you, you can go out or you can stay home, but whatever you do, keep reading DC. Yep. And if you do go out, do the social distancing <laughs> and wear a mask, I guess. You can still read with a mask. <laughs> So in this episode, you know, we kind of touched on David Ayer revealing some of his frustrations about Jeff Johns really kind of breaking his timeline. And then uh, Ray Fisher actually had commented that he felt his pain as well. Yeah, because someone got someone got kind of broken out of that Justice League movie, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, Josh, but I mean, uh, you're never gonna be able to take away, I think, all the great things that Jeff Johns has done for the comics. And uh, he's a phenomenal writer when it comes to the DC properties and comics. And, you know, I have no problem whatsoever with anything from there. No, I, I totally agree. He he's, he's done a lot of uh, great things as far as he goes. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't think he did very well with our films. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think clearly some mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. And we only deal with mistakes one way on this show. We, we deal with mistakes in a very ceremonial way, don't we, Scott? We do. Jeff, this is for you.